One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast. I'm Adam Catterall. It is a pleasure to once again be in your company. However, if this is the first time that I've been in your company doing this podcast, then what are you playing at? Come on, hit subscribe on iTunes. You can do it on the TalkSport website as well, and you'll never miss out on any of the fight sports content that we bring you on a week-by-week basis. We do this show live on the radio every single Saturday night with all the biggest name guests, but I appreciate that you might have other things going on. It's Saturday night. You might want to spend time with your missus or your kids or your husband or whoever. But we're going to be here throughout the course of the week in podcast format, of which we would love you to subscribe to, so therefore you're with us every single week, all right? Uh, now, coming up on this week's show, you're going to hear from Devin Haney. He caught up with my mate Nick Pete talking about Lomachenko, Tiafimo Lopez, and obviously training now with uh, Floyd Mayweather. You can hear from David Hay, who Gareth caught up with a little earlier on this week. And I spoke to the big UFC knockout merchant in the heavyweight division, Francis Ngannou. We spoke a bit about boxing, but also crossed over talking about that super fight or potential super fight with John Jones. Anthony Crawler is our fighter that's career we're going to be looking back at but that's all coming up in a minute first of all you want news don't you you want to know when the fights are coming back we talk to top ranked supremo bob arum on that exact matter well we uh, undertook uh initially uh we had a task force in our company led by uh, todd who's the president todd DeBuff and Brad Jacobs. And we've been working with the medical authorities, primarily in uh, Nevada, uh, with uh, uh, the head of the coronavirus task force, Jim Mirren. Uh, and we have put down protocols uh, that have been tested every step of the way. And so these protocols have now been adopted uh, by on a temporary basis by the Nevada people, and the commission has to approve them uh, at this meeting on Wednesday. And uh, we believe uh, that uh, every everybody is on board. And if everybody is on board, as you say, and they, and they tick it off on Wednesday, what does that mean for you? When, when are you hoping to be back, and what are you hoping to be back with? We, we're going on June 9th uh, from a dedicated facility uh, at the MGM uh, and uh, uh, we'll have events uh, taking place there without spectators 
during the month of June and July, and we anticipate doing two to three events every week because, you know, we haven't been doing events since uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Fury's fight, February 22nd. We had to cancel events in New York uh, because of the coronavirus. So we have a lot of catching up to do. Bob, um, good evening. Um, So it looks like you'll do around 15 events in June and July, which five fights on each card. So that's work brilliantly for about 150 boxers, if I'm right in thinking. Well, you know, you you do the math. Obviously, there's 10 fighters on each card. And if we do 15 cards, uh, we will have 150 boxes. Uh, Now, it may very well be that a fighter who we use in on June 9th, uh, we have back in action in July, but probably not. Probably, you're right, 150,000 young men uh, will be fighting uh, during those two months. As you say, 150 rather than 150,000. But the, 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 um, yeah, 150. Um, when you talk about the protocols, we, Adam and I in the first section were talking about Eddie Hearn saying for his matchroom back garden fights that they'd like the boxers to turn up on a Wednesday to fight on a Saturday. Now, you know, we know that on ESPN, the UFC went ahead with events from Florida recently. Can you tell us whether you would like your fighters? to be quarantined for a longer period or whether people will test at home, first of all, before they come to the facility. What's your take on the lead time for each person, officials, yourself, all those people? Because I know you're going to be there if you test negative. Um, well, we, we will, the, the initial plan is to bring fighters in uh, to spend a week in what we call the bubble. Nobody gets into the bubble unless they've tested negative and they stay in the bubble uh, for that week uh, before they fight. Uh, We have a special uh, buses uh, for the purpose to take them to our gym, which has been sanitized and so forth so that they can spar and keep in shape. And there, and we, a special restaurant in the hotel, uh, special, uh, we, they're giving us a floor, so we, the floor, say it's the 24th floor, I don't know what the floor is, but uh, the, the elevator from the ground floor to the 24th floor, and we'll not stop him. And hopefully, uh, the day of the fight, uh, nobody, everybody will have stayed in the bubble, and uh, for a week, uh, then, yeah, for a week, yeah, for a week. And right. then even then it's up to the commission. They will then uh, test them the evening before the fight or indeed in the morning. These are the fighters mm-hmm. and the corner people will have yeah. to go through that test. Good. Now, the commission, the commission people, uh, the ESPN uh, uh, announces uh, the uh, camera people will all have to report to a special area at 8 o'clock in the morning of the day of the event, and they will all be tested. 
and they all have to show negative to be allowed in. That includes the referee or referees, the judges, uh, the inspectors, the commission people, uh, anybody from our staff that's necessary and will be in there. In other words, everybody who uh, is in that room will have been tested uh, for the coronavirus either the night before or the morning of. And that will give us uh, the assurance, in effect, that anybody participating in the event on whatever capacity will be coronavirus negative. And then we do the fight, and after the fight, they're released from the quarantine. They go about their way and hopefully take care of themselves so they can fight again in August. Bob, what level of fights are are we looking at? Are are you talking to your current world champions to get them back in action? Yes, we're also doing that. There'll be some non-title fights, but all will be fights with fighters who have been prominently featured uh, on ESPN or other platforms uh, uh, relatively recently before the coronavirus. Guys like Shakur Stevenson, uh, Jesse Magdalena, uh, uh, Herring uh, has committed. Herring was supposed to fight Frampton. That can't can't happen immediately. So... uh, uh, Herring will fight another opponent on on July 2nd because he's our fighting Marine with two tours of duty in uh, Iraq. And uh, uh, he uh, will be fighting on July 2nd uh, in conjunction with the celebration of our Independence Day, July 4th. Uh, but uh, uh, so we'll be and, and we were very fortunate because we were told that we couldn't bring in anybody who was currently outside the United States. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. But these two fighters from Australia had uh, visas and were able to get special permission and have flown over from Australia and are currently living in a house that we provided for them uh, in Las Vegas, the Maloney twins who have been tested now negative and they'll be going into the protocol when their time comes and they'll be fighting uh for us uh in june one is a world champion and the other is i think a number one contender they're very very uh, uh fan-friendly fighters lovely boys and uh, we're using them now we've been talking to uh, uh frank warren and uh, guys that uh, who we've signed and uh, we can't bring over from the UK because of the ban. Frank, I believe, is going to put them into his uh, lineup, uh, I think, which starts in July, and give them, give uh, Josh Taylor and and Frampton fight. And then hopefully uh, by... Uh, the fourth quarter, uh, they can fight uh, against fight against fighters that everybody wants to see them fight. Frampton mm-hmm. against Herring, and Josh Taylor against Ramirez, uh, and that those fights, depending on how the world looks, 
could be either in the U.S. or the U.K. Mm-hmm. Bob, obviously, um, you know, uh, you've got the ratification from ESPN to do this, and it's brilliant to have midweek fights if we're going to have them as well. It's like the old days, isn't it? Going back to Tuesday night fights and Friday night fights, but. Um, for us over here, obviously, for our audience, it's, it's, we, we have a, a global audience of millions, obviously. But um, back in the UK here, do, do you have your international team talking about getting some of these fights on UK television as well? Absolutely. We've been, we've been talking to Sky. We've been talking to BT. We hope that those fights uh, will be taken and carried uh, by Good. one of the uh, broadcasters in the UK, which we're keeping the rights fees down to a minimum because Brilliant. we want to get exposure at this point. And we're also talking to Frank about uh, when he gets Frampton, uh, Mick Conlon, another of our fighters, the Belfast kid, uh, and, uh, uh, and Josh Taylor back in action, uh, televising those fights from the UK back to uh, uh, the States on ESPN. Hmm. Bob, we were all excited. Um, next weekend was due to be the fight between Tiafimo Lopez and uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Obviously, that's not happening. What is the latest on that? Can Vasily get into the States to make that fight happen during lockdown? Or have you got other plans for Tiafimo and Vasily in that interim period? Well, uh, Lomachenko... Uh, we learned from uh, his manager, Igis Klimas, uh has a what we call a green card, which, uh, in effect, makes him a permanent resident of the United States. So he will have no problem getting into the United States. And his father, who has a P1, and his corner people were working on that. And we hope to have them over uh, in the United States sometime in June. Now, in talking with Lomachenko and Lopez, we said, hey, guys, how about us giving you each a tune-up fight, and then, you know, we can arrange you to fight each other in the fourth quarter. And they said, absolutely not. They don't want any tune-up fights. Neither guy wanted a tune-up fight. (laughs) So what we're tentatively planning is to do that fight sometime in September, and we hope by that point we will be able to convince the authorities that it's okay to do a fight in a regular arena like the MGM Grand, and instead of doing it for 15,000 people, spread everybody out and maximize the number of spectators at 2,000. In other words, we, we, I don't think it's going to be possible to go from doing fights with no spectators to doing fights with spectators the way we're used to now without a, an interim step doing yeah. fights yeah. for a li- limited number of spectators. Yeah, Bob, you, you, you mentioned um, early in the pandemic in, one of your, in the lockdown during one of your interviews that ticket prices might have to be reduced. I see that unbelievably, and I don't can't believe they're going to do this. Obviously, the, the Raiders are trying to tell, sell tickets at 600 apiece when they start. Um, do, do you think you're going to have to be um, 
perspicacious, careful about the way you ticket price for, say, 2,000 people? No, quite the contrary. Okay. Because it's, it's limited to 2,000. And because there would be a pent-up desire to watch what is a big fight, we will probably have premium prices, whether it's $1,000 and $500, and uh, provide uh, the spectators with all the amenities like mm-hmm. uh, free, free food, uh, free uh, beverages, uh, all of that. You know, in effect, make them all into VIPs. And in that case, I think that there are enough people that if you did that, you would end up, um, uh, you know, being able to command uh, what is a very healthy price. Well, what about the media, Bob? What are we going to have to pay for our seats then? <laughs> well, I think you got a guy who's got to be used to uh, to watching it for certainly... <laughs> Without spectators, there will be no media. Mm-hmm. You'll have to watch it on television. I mean, there's nothing we can do. We can't test all the media. That doesn't work. Now, when we open up for spectators, 2,000, maybe what we would do is like they do uh, what they used to do, where they had like pool reporters, where, you know, you don't have 100 uh, media sitting right next to each other. You might have a half dozen and they would have to share whatever it is uh, with other people who'd be watching on, uh, on the television. Now I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking like that from the top of my head. I realize that. Figured that, that, that we haven't figured that, that step uh, up out yet. All we know is when we're doing it for no spectators, we're doing it, without media present Mm. at the site. Mm. Um, Bob, just uh, finally on Wilder Fury, the trilogy. I was reading the other day that you've received um, a site offer from somewhere outside of the U.S. Firstly, is that true? And and what is the latest situation with the fight? Well, we've been talking to entities outside the United States because there is no assurance that we can get... uh, that fight on even in the fourth quarter in the States or in the UK uh, with a full audience. I don't know whether that's possible or not. So we're looking elsewhere at places where they've had very little coronavirus and where it doesn't, where it's not considered to be a a problem. And we're exploring the possibility of uh, uh, Macau, China and, uh, also uh, in, a, in a big venue in Australia, which seems to have the coronavirus under control. Fascinating. And are you looking to do that this year, at the end of the year? Is that where you're looking, Bob? Yeah, uh, we, we've been talking with PBC that uh, handles uh, Wilder, and uh, our goal, both from Fury's standpoint and from Wilder's standpoint, is to get that fight on Uh, in the fourth quarter uh, before the end of the year. That's our goal, and that's what we plan to do. And, you know, everybody is looking uh, next year. uh, I mean, Fury uh, uh, hopes that he wins. And if Joshua beats Pulev, uh, 
And uh, Eddie, I think, is looking for ways to put on the Joshua Pula fight this year that uh, if Fury and Joshua win uh, to do that fight uh, sometime in the first uh, few months of next year. So there you have it. Keep your eyes and ears open for that Nevada uh, meeting, which is happening this week. And therefore, you will know whether Top Rank are going to be back in action first week of June. Still to come on the podcast, Francis Ngannou, Devin Haney and David Hay. But right now, let's hear from Anthony Crawler, one of the nation's favourite fighters. He's had some ups and downs as this boy and he joined us on Saturday night to talk about them all. Ladies and gentlemen, from Manchester, England, the British lightweight champion... The Intercontinental Lightweight Champion and Lightweight Champion of the World, Anthony Miller Barlow! Only a few seconds to go in this round. He's caught, he's exhausted, Barroso. A crawler is in the ascendancy here. Brilliant! Sensational stuff this from Anthony Crawler. Deep down, I never sort of stopped believing in myself, knowing you know what I could do, but at the same time, it was seriously tested, you know, your self-belief. And I remember that night I was sat in the car park with like my best mate and um I was I was just devastated, you know. I was thinking it was my first fight on television. Like everyone, you let everyone know on uh, social yeah. media you're going to be on television and stuff like that. And uh, oh, listen, I'm not being disrespectful. I say it a lot. I got beat off. Youssef was um, a part-time ice cream man as well. So yeah, <laughs> basically I got beat off an ice cream man as well. And uh, I'm still wrong at the time. Youssef was a right handful. But uh, <laughs> listen, I learned a lot of things that night and. You know, you're not going to make excuses. We boxed a few months later, or about four or five months later. Um, I put it right. But it was um, that night, it made it made me sort of realise a lot who a lot of my friends was, who was there for the long run. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. There was people who was... And this isn't... I, I don't take any offence to it. There was people who was buying tickets off me that night because I was getting builders, you know, a real good prospect. Mm-hmm. And... After that, those people stopped buying tickets. And, and I don't hold that against them because obviously they thought, you know, we're going to get a journey out of him and we're going to get some trips and stuff like that. And I, if I'm losing sort of Yusuf Alameda over points, over eight rounds, sorry, in Bolton, it's, they're probably going to back the wrong horse. So, you know, I don't blame them in a way, but they come back and it was, um, I, learned very, I learned valuable lessons very early on in my career. Mm. What? Well- Obviously, the biggest night you would you would think, and we'll get to this in a minute, might be when you when yeah. you become world champion. But was it was there a fight uh, during your career that you that you class as the turning point, the moment where you thought, right, yes, I can go on to achieve the dreams that I've had since I was a kid? Yeah, I'd say I would say it was the Gavin Reese fight. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. Um, yeah. I totally agree. Do you know because? And- had he just come in off the back of the of Broner? And he just fought Broner, Broner and then yeah. you beat him. And, and I think that was the very best of Broner. We see, you know, people yeah. see the way Broner behaved and stuff like that, like that now. But at lightweight, he was pretty formidable. He um, yeah. 
he was, you know, you didn't see him getting beat. And, you know, I was the opponent that night, although it was in Bolton, I was the opponent that night. I wasn't the matchroom fighter. Mm. And um, there was so much riding on that. Like, my partner was very heavily pregnant with my with my son. Um, and that was sort of the difference in, in, in my opinion, like, remaining a full-time professional or not. So if I wouldn't have won that night, then... I, I wouldn't say oh, I would have stopped boxing, but what I would say is that I, it would have been hard to carry on, be, you know, being a full-time professional when I would have had a family to provide for. Yeah. Um, and so that, a lot of the times, that was one of the most important wins in my career, without a doubt. Well, very much so. And Gavin Reese was called the rock for a reason. I mean, he was a yeah. great technician, a very tough guy. He'd been a world champion yeah. himself at light welterweight, remember? So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, Gav's one of those guys I've always loved, totally underrated yeah. as a fighter. Did, you, did you see him Did you see him give uh, someone that had been given grief a little bit of a, a tickle to the ribs the other day on social <laughs> yeah, media? Did you see that? Some I guy did, had been plaguing I him. I always, was... I always joke, and uh, Gav's certainly one person. I wouldn't like him a fight outside of the ring with no. a little tank. <laughs> he, he is. He's a little he tank now and since. Since um, his lightweight days and his light welter days, he certainly packed on some muscle. So um, I think more than ever, he was tough enough back then. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy the chances now. <laughs> he, he, he's the Welsh haggler, I call him. You know, um, yeah. the, the, the slightly smaller version. But as you say, Gavin Reese was a turning point. Majority decision. Great yeah. performance from you on the night because mm. we saw your fighting skills and your technician yeah. skills and your boxing skills that night. Um, but I'd like to take you to the following year when you, after wins then against Stephen Foster, John Murray, yeah. you're, whop, you're whopping up. You retired Foster. You knocked uh, TKO against John Murray. You get a draw yeah. against Gamaliel Diaz. But then yeah. on the verge of world title um, fights, you have probably, weirdly, you, like you say, you're seen as a prospect. You're seen as coming on. You get yeah. a world title shot. But then... You chase some burglars um, yeah. in a neighbour's garden. Tell us the story again, Anthony, because it's it, it, for me, as you know, I think you're an absolute hero for this because your sense of civic duty is incredible, especially as you were preparing for a world title. Can you tell the listeners the story once more? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm sure like a lot will have, you know, remember the story, but... I was in training for my first world title fight, which was taking place in January. And um, Joel Gallagher, we trained in the gym that day and he was really happy. And I was going to the track uh, not long after, so the running track to do my sprints. He was meeting me there and he phoned me up and um, he said, Crawl, you know, he said, I'm, I'm really happy with where we're at. You're looking so good. He said, I just don't want to overcook you. And I want you to have... I want you to have tonight off, rest up, just go home, rest up, spend time with the family and be be in the gym tomorrow and we'll go again. Um, so that was it. So I headed home, I headed home um, and as you got to, as I got to the front door, I parked up, sorry, as I parked up, next door's alarm was going off and I, it, straight away, like anyone, the alarm's going off, you're going to think, oh, when's that going off? And it was just going on a bit anyway, it was going on a bit and um I phoned my next door neighbour um, at the time and I says, oh, I said, Craig, I said, your alarm's going off, mate. Um, I don't think anyone's in. I'm just letting you know. 
And he says, oh, he says, the missus has just gone to the gym. I'll ring her now. And and jokingly, I said, oh, I said, I'll put my bags in now. I'll just, I'll just make sure you're not getting broken. Joking. Uh, put my gym bags in, walked to the back garden, looked over. And I had the torch on my phone and, and I was looking. I was looking through. And I thought, are those patio doors smashed or not? I was look, as I was looking, got the torch out. Um, someone popped their head out. So automatically, you know, you scream at them to get out. And um, I've ran through the door. I've ran through, um, ran through the house, through the front door to, to chase him because he was getting married at the time. And straight away, you're thinking, I'm wondering if they've got money. I want, no one wants to get robbed anyway, yeah. but you just think, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. they've got aside and all that. So I've run out, ran to the ran round and uh, I actually went the long way round not thinking and at the the bottom of the street I seen I seen him but there was two of them but um, they seen that scene and I chased them both um, and I was I was like talking to them because I thought there's no way I'm letting them get away and uh, they must have thought who's this lunatic anyway <laughs> caught up with them I was catching them I was talking to them I'm like listen lads you're not going to get away from me and well over you know whatever you've got I want it and um, they they pulled they pulled into this a side house, um, and I'd cornered him, and it was one of them. I was like, I couldn't walk back with one under each arm. I really couldn't do that. So I thought I've got to let one go, and I'll take the other one with me. And as I done that, um, the one started climbing the fence. Bit of bad luck. There was a concrete slab loose, and um, a concrete slab come down on my head, and. I went down on one knee, and I remember thinking straight away because I thought, "Oh my God, what?" You know, I wasn't, I wasn't knocked out, but I, I knew straight away. I thought, "That's not a punch. That's just hit me." I knew straight away what it was, even though so I didn't find out the day after. So um, the other one then starts scrambling the fence, and I jumped up, but he was already halfway over, so the momentum took him over, and I couldn't, I couldn't pull him back, and. Um, I just couldn't put any weight on my foot and I couldn't believe it, but I was raging. And anyway, my partner and the next door neighbour started walking up the street as I started hobbling back. They gashing me head. And um, anyway, we get we get back and they're like, you know, what's happened? And I said, I said, I've, I've just had something put over my head. I know I have. Um, it worked out like saves a concrete slab, but the I got back to the, the house then and I was just fuming. My friend, one of my good friends, was coming round to pick tickets up for the fight. He's walked in the house and he he, he can't believe what's gone on. And yeah, so that's that's what happened. You'd like fractured said, your he... skull though and broken your ankle, hadn't you? Yeah, I think, and that was it. And I was in the house, Gareth, and I was. It was mad when you're desperate. You think desperate as well, don't you? And I was mm. sat in the house, and you know, news travels pretty quick, and he. he he, like I said, one of my one of my good friends come for the tickets and he went, oh, I said, I'm not going to be needing these now. And I'm going, what do you mean? Of course you are. And he's going, look at your head and you can't even stand up. And like stupidly, I'm going, no, no, this will be right. I just, it's not ideal. Four weeks out from world title fight. It's not ideal, but me, um, but, but I'll just have to swim. I'll just have to roll, you know, for my, for my cardio. And um, I was going, look at the gash on you. And I'm going, it's fine. The head guard covers that. And it's not ideal. Again, do you know what I mean? I'll just have to wait a little bit with sparring. So I'm talking like this. And by this point, news has travelled pretty quick. My mum and dad uh, don't live far from there. 
my uncle doesn't they flew round um, and I was waiting and next door neighbour was um, their mother was a nurse and she was trying to stop the bleeding and she said to her this bleeding's getting you need to get to the hospital we'd phoned an ambulance but it was taking you know it was being as fast yeah. as it could but it wasn't quick enough and anyway my uncle put me in the back of the car took me to um, took me to the hospital and when I got to the hospital um, they, they recognised me there and they said listen we'll get you through and you know the head injury and one of the lads there was like you're fighting soon aren't you and anyway I'm, so I'm waiting and in my head like I say I'm still I'm still fighting four weeks later and anyway the doctor come in and He's talking to me, and I'm having then I'm having to have a brain scan and all that, and I'm thinking, this is this is some right carry on this. I'll be in the gym in the next day or two. Um, anyway, doctor comes back, doctor comes back, and um, he says to me, uh, he says, yeah, he says, um, you're the boxer, aren't you? And I says, I said, I am, mate. Yeah, he says, um, you had an important fight coming up, didn't you? And I, and I was just talking, and I went, yeah, I said, I'm, uh, I'm fighting for the world title in about four weeks, and I'll never forget. He just literally went. He went, listen, he says, that's not going to happen no more. He said, that's not happening. He says, um, you've got a fractured skull and your ankle's broken a few places. Wow. That fight's not going to happen. And I remember then just um, me partner and me uncle was in, in the hospital. Like, I went back out and I remember my uncle going, you know, he let me go because I think he knew I didn't want to cry in front of him. And I, yeah, I broke brought my heart. I broke my heart and, and that was it. Like, I just couldn't believe it. I thought that was that was the end of the career, that was the end of, do you know what I mean? And you've just, I've not longed to move into an house and stuff and, you know, you've got mortgage and bills to pay and, yeah, so the world come crashing down on me. But as we know, that wasn't the end of the story. Imagine that within what was it five six months from that point of being told that that your first fight back no tune-ups there's no need to blow off a little bit of rust first fight back would be for the world title. No, it was uh, certainly when you know I knew, I knew that I had positive thinking was going to be a huge part of it, but I, I never realistically believed that could happen. And then a phone call come, because obviously there was a lot of hurdles to overcome, you know, medically and stuff like that. I always say the fractured skull for a boxer isn't the best injury to have. But, um, it, it was, so to yeah, speak. So in the July, <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of an understatement that, Ant, to be yeah, fair. And, uh, so in the July, in the July, we, um, uh, well, it was before the July, but when, when the call come from Eddie Hearn, to, when, the, when the call come from Eddie Hearn to fight, uh, the chance to fight for a world title, it was, it was no, there was no way of thinking, oh, I'd like a tune-up. I'd like a tune-up or anything like that. And um, I think sometimes you've got to grasp the opportunity, and that's how I've seen it. Yeah, I suppose it wasn't ideal. I thought, about, I thought you know, I was a fit lad. I'd only boxed in the November, and um, I believe that was, you know, that was my chance, and there was no... It took me all of two seconds to think about 
know what what the answer was going to be when when it was put to me. Well, you you get Darley's Perez then in in July for the WBA lightweight title, yeah. and you suffer even more heartache. We were all there. You get a majority yeah. draw, and you clearly won the fight. Yeah, I I still to this day, Gav, like I don't I don't know anyone who like when you read on the whether it be on the internet, whatever it may be, who's who said before I lost that fight. I mean, I know to the judges had a job, but I didn't. I had like even if I saw people saying, oh, you know, it it was a little bit closer than they said, but I still fought one. But everyone fought a one and. It sort of went from being the boxer who got it over the head with a slab by burglars to being the boxer that got robbed of a world title. And I remember just thinking, ah, oh, if if I get an opportunity, if I get a second chance, there's no way that I can be remembered for that. So I've got to make sure that I take it. And uh, but it sounds it sounds bad. Like don't get me wrong, I was I was upset, but that night I was I was also. I was just happy to be back boxing again and thankful because I thought it was going to be all over. So to walk out into you know into the arena and to be sort of you know in a world title fight, the arena that you know I've gone for so many years and I fought out there, but like watch world title fights there, it was. Um, I had to count my blessings as well, to be honest. Hmm. Listen, I'm glad that you took a second fight because I had bad seats for the first one, mate. Second one, I was ringside, so <laughs> I got to see that body shot up close and personal. Yeah. The, the, the second fight, finishing it the way that you did, yeah. I mean, that must have been some feeling. From, from going, I mean, it was within a year that you managed to do that. From, the, from what yeah. happened with the concrete slab and being in hospital and having your dreams shattered, literally, yeah. within a year, you were back. And you and you become world champion. Yeah, it was. Um, listen, it was the night the dreams come true, you know. And I had that dream since being ten years old, and it wasn't just since the accident. It was all the sacrifices I'd made since being a young lad. Since you know, just little things like when you want to stay out, you know, yeah. playing on on the streets and stuff with your mates when you're younger and stuff like that. And you thought, no, I've got training early in the morning or. I'm fighting next week or stuff like that. Do you know all the sacrifices that you make? All the United games that you couldn't go all to away the, in yeah, Europe, mate. All the, all the games <laughs> we had to miss and stuff like that. All the games we had to miss and stuff like that. It, that night, it was all it was all worth it. And I felt, do you know, in, in a way, it was sort of, there's pictures like, you know, after it, and you can see it, there's about a million different emotions going through me. Like, relief was one of them as well. Relief there's a picture. Them, you know, for all the sacrifice and stuff like that and I just wanted you know I was just I was just glad to like I said lose that tag of, rather than being remembered for other things of being a world champion and yeah. yeah to do it to do it at the arena it was it was so special to me and I just believe that now I'm not starting you know believing destiny and fate and that but before the fight Eddie Earn told me after it he says you know he says I was in the changing rooms and he said Honestly, he said, I was fuming, I thought. He's going to let this pass him by. He's too relaxed. And it, it was like, I just, I thought I was in the change rooms. And I, it was a feeling where I thought, there's, there's no way I'm coming back here without that title tonight. Yeah. There's just no way. And um, I just believed it, even though, like you say, you want to celebrate after it. You might not thought that, but it was. And obviously, it was nice to do it with a body shot, you know, without sounding cheesy, being there for so many of Ricky's big nights. And yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. It was, yeah, it was. It was a special night for me and, and for, my, for my family and my friends. And when, when we said the people who, 
who was at Bolton that night and when um, mm-hmm. I got beat to Yusuf Alameda, you know, some of some of my close friends and stuff who never stopped believing in me. Yeah, it, it was some of that I'll remember forever and I'm sure they will. Well, karmically, of course, as you say, that amazing body shot, the perfect punch to put Perez away in the fifth round there. Then you defend yeah. the title against Ismail Barroso six yeah, months, real. seven months later. He was a real fighter, wasn't he? He was proper Gareth. He yeah. was a, nobody he wanted was, Barroso. But, but, but you get another knockout and you get another knockout, yeah. you know, in the seventh <laughs> round. Yeah, I, do you know what? Well, he boxed Kevin Mitchell, um, yeah. I think it was in the December before that. That was a final eliminator. And I think everyone just uh, presumed it was going to be me and Kevin Mitchell in the big battle of Britain. And um, anyway, Barroso come through and he'd done a job on Kev. And um, mm. it was, I remember at the time, and I'm not, I don't really let social media get to me, but I remember straight away looking and you're on your Twitters and stuff, not a chance qualifies him. But he was a mandatory, so he had to, uh, you know, he, he does exactly. cover even earlier, this and that. And I remember, like, I got my back up and, you know, Eddie sort of, he was obviously inside and I could do swerving him. And I remember saying, but it was only, like, only half joking. We had to fight him and I went, at least I'll fight him and I'll, I'll stop him as well. And I knew, and I was just convinced that I would get to him no matter what. But I knew he had, he did have him um, hit very, very hard. And that was maybe... I like it. I know we talk about winning the world title, but that that might have been my finest hour when I think about it. Okay. Uh, that that night, it was um, it was you know it, like the atmosphere was a real use both there. It's a real sort of mad atmosphere, wasn't it? And yeah. I think the, when we're about pictures, there's a picture that's become pretty famous after that, where Joe jumps in the ring, everyone's up, and uh, it captures so much that only you know a picture could, and. Mm. Yeah, that, that that night, I think, like I say, being a world champion, getting introduced into the ring by Michael Buffer as a world champion from Manchester, Manchester Arena, it's it's something that I've, that'll never leave me, to be honest. Hmm. You Listen, you've gone on, you've fought Linares a couple of occasions, yeah. you've fought Lomachenko. I just want to ask you, around about that time, because you were flying, beating yeah. the likes of Perez and Barroso, as you've just said, in emphatic fashion. There was a lot of conversations about you and Terry meeting yeah. up because at the time, Terry Flanagan was the WBO champion. Do you ever do you look back at that now with any any regret whatsoever? Or yeah. as you've just been talking I, about destiny, do you always just think it, it was what it was supposed to be? I, listen, I've, I've got a lot of respect for Terry. I've known we actually went to the same school and, and I do think, do you know what? It's, it's a mad shame that it didn't happen. Um, yeah. I genuinely wanted the fight and I know he genuinely wanted the fight and I was offered the fight but then it would have meant me giving up well, I would have had to give out the Barroso fight and I thought everything I stand for if I take this fight although it's another world title fight but I give up my world title for you know whether it be a payday or something like, it's just not right it's not right and anyway and then we offered we offered Terry the fight they went a different route as well Um and and that was it. So I suppose, listen, two Manchester lads who was world champion, it should have happened. It should have happened then. Um, but it didn't. You know, I think that's but, when I believe his promotional team, and they, they thought it was best that he went that route. And whether you could say egos or whatever involved. But um, I know I wanted the fight. And I also know Terry wanted the fight. I'm not going to say he didn't, because I know he did. Um, but it wasn't to be. And then, it looked, I remember another time we got offered, I think was it after the Ricky Burns fight, and um, 
it, it didn't happen. I don't know whether Terry did he fight. Bukhari went up away, or I can't think. You know, he no, did go up. He did that. go up. Yeah, he did. yeah. Mm, but he yeah. went up, and, it, and that was it. It just, it just sort of uh, fizzled out. But I can't have yeah. any regrets thinking I fought for the ring magazine belt. You know, I was offered the chance to fight Jorge Linares mm. for um, for all the marbles, as you'd say. So I certainly don't have any regrets. But, but the, the the one thing I felt, Anthony, was it was so made for a big all British clash. Given that you know you're a Manchester Red, Manchester United, yeah. he was very much um, the light blues of Man City. But also, you guys had been to the same school, you'd grown up a couple of miles apart, you'd known yeah. each other all your lives. I just thought it's one of those fights that I look back on now, and in a weird way, um. Ricky said it. Ricky Hatton said it to us the other day. Um, yeah. When you look back on a career, it's the fighter that makes the belt, not the belt that makes the fighter. Yeah. And I think you guys could have fought without belts even at that yeah. point in your careers. Do you know what I mean? And you I could have just done an all Manchester clash. It nearly happened. It nearly happened. I seem to think it was after the Burns fight or whatever. I don't know, but then it, it didn't anyway. And, and I think, like I say, I think we both would have wanted it. Um, we both we both did want it. I think everyone, but it, it's mad really because other than I think the only person who didn't want it to happen was uh, like one of the best mates. who was actually like the best man, and as strange as it is, we was like we've been best mates since being kids. He'd actually <laughs> be in the changing room with like Flanagan before his fight because he trained oh. there, and oh. it's just like I joke and he joke and stuff like that. He was probably the only person glad that it didn't happen. If I'm honest, I mean he wouldn't have done that night. Well, he wouldn't have been in the best position, would he? No, not at all, mate. <laughs> uh, listen, you went on. You, you had two great fights with uh, Linares. You obviously shared the ring with what many would say is the best of this generation in, in Vasyl yeah. Lomachenko. Now, mate... One of the greats. One of the absolutely. greats. Let's be honest. Yeah. One of the greats. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And now you're lending your expertise to uh, the next generation coming through. Are you, are you enjoying the training? Are you enjoying the coaching of this game? Yeah, I re honestly, I really enjoy it. And it's something I always done, even when I was in world title fights, I'd still go to my amateur gym a few times a week, helping out there, coaching. It's something that, you know, it's, it's, people say, oh, it's nice to give something back. But I'll be honest as well, I find it really rewarding and I really enjoy it. I get a massive buzz out of it myself. Brilliant. But um, it's it's one of them. It's um, It gives me the satisfaction, I think. But listen, I'll never get those highs of, you know, fighting those names you said or defending a world title or, you know, stuff like that. But I'll get a massive, you know, kick out of and a massive high taking one of my lads into title fights. So I just, honestly, I'm, I mean it when, when I see a kid walk through the amateur doors who, you know, lacking a bit of confidence and stuff like that. And then I see him get ready for his first fight and he's just changed as a young lad yeah. or girl because the woman's sports thriving now. But, and that, that's proper rewarding. Like, a boxing's a huge, huge part of my life, and it always will be. And mm. I can't wait to... Um, I mean, we had a bit of bad news, probably seen on my social media. At the start of this um, lockdown with the gym, the building getting burnt down where my gym yeah. was. But um, we, we're hopeful that we've found somewhere else. It'll take a lot of work, but we'll get there. And hopefully now with the coaching team start producing champions of the future, I've got a few fighters myself, Um also, well, Joe out, you know, three times a week I'm there when they're punching. It's great, you know, to be in there. So I'm not, it's mad, I'm not missing it like that. And I feel a bit guilty saying that, you know, when I see other fighters who've retired and say, I miss it so much. 
Yeah. I've loved boxing all my life, as you both know, and I've been involved in it since I was ten years earlier than ten. But mm. I don't I don't like I honestly believe like hand on heart, I, I genuinely believe I've got so much more left than what I shown last time out. However, I just don't I don't miss competing and I just like I'm happy, I'm content. I, I believe that I got the very best out of myself. I, I was never the most talented fighter, but I believe I made up for it with hard work, and it worked out all right for me in the end. Last it's 10 fights, Ed. Um, Anthony's last 10 fights were extraordinary. Eight yeah. at the MEN Arena, or the Manchester Arena, um, yeah. Staples Centre, Principality Stadium. <laughs> Anthony, you, you, you yeah. had a phenomenal career. You're a folk hero in British boxing, and you fought some of the very, very best. It, uh, yeah. For me, you Thank walked you. away at the right time. I, I believe so. That. Thank you. I think, I think so. I mean, so I think sort of, you know, last time I that was sort of certainly confirm that. But I've just, I've always believed, you know, I want to be a little bit of an example to these young kids that I'm helping train. I don't want to be, I don't like saying the word punch drunk or slurring words, but I see it so yeah. often. And I've seen of it course, with people yeah. who I've known very well and, I always said the line, um, you probably heard me say it before, both of you, but I just, I don't want boxing to take more away from me. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, boxing's been good to me. It's taught me some amazing places. It's made my life a bit easier, especially, you know, with my family and stuff like that. But it, it means nothing if, if my health's long-term affected. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. (laughs) 
How good was that? Anthony Crawler in top class form. Right, back to the modern day now. What is going to be happening in that lightweight division? Devin Haney's one of the guys that holds one of the belts. He caught up with my mate, Nick Pete, first of all, to talk about training with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, me and Floyd, you know, we've always been close. You know, he's always been a mentor to me, you know, since I was since I was young. When I, when I first met Floyd, I think I was nine years old or something like that. So um, Floyd has always, you know, been in my life, always been uh, 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 impact on me. He always, you know, let me watch him train. And we, we've talked about, you know, him training me, you know, for, for a while now. And it finally came into fruition. You know, um, he's, he's, he's teaching me, you know, so much. So is, is Floyd going to be your main trainer now? Is he going to work alongside your, your father? I mean, as of now, we, we haven't talked, we haven't gotten that far, but, you know, Floyd has always, you know, taught me things, you know, in the gym. He's, you know, before the world has saw, you know, him working with me in the gym. So I wouldn't say that, you know, he's, he's, he's my trainer or, or he's not my trainer, but as of now, we're just going with the flow of things. He's shown me, you know, uh, certain ways to, to do certain things and uh, I'm blessed for this opportunity. And so, of course, I'm going to take full advantage of it because, you know, I mean, how many people can say that they got to train with, you know, the best of their era? Your style as well is obviously very similar to Floyd. Is that by yeah. design? Did you did you always model your style on his? I mean, just me growing up in the, in the Mayweather gym and, you know, under the Mayweather family, I trained with Roger Mayweather, Jeff Mayweather, and Floyd Sr. So now Floyd Jr. too is, you know, working with me. It's just, you know, it's 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 just, you know, like peanut butter jelly. It just, it just goes together. It's just flowing. There was a bit of blowback in the last couple of days from Javonta Davis. Did you see what he had to say about it? Uh, yeah, I, I did see what he had to say about it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, he shouldn't just, he shouldn't be focused on no one, you know, but himself at the end of the day. You know, um, what me and Floyd have going on, that has nothing to do with him at the end of the day. And uh, he should just focus on himself. Is he still looked after by Mayweather Promotions? Is Leonard Ellaby still managing him? I mean, I, I don't I don't ask about him, you know, uh, He's not somebody that we that we talk about, you know, at all. You know, that his business is his business. My business is my business at the end of the day. You know, uh, I wish him nothing but the best, and, and that's it. Is that a future opponent for you, though? Would that cause issues in the camp? Or? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, as of now, you know, it's, that fight is, you know, not close to happening. He's going to fight, going down to 130 to fight. I mean, um, Leo Santa Cruz, um, I'm at 135 right now. So, um, I mean, that's not a fight that we're, that we're talking about. So, um, yeah. What is on the horizon, Devin? Have you got a date? No, I don't have a date, actually. Um, I mean, we're just trying to see, you know, how this whole pandemic thing is is going to work. Um, I, I think, you know, when, when boxing is back up, I think I, I am going to be one of the first ones to, to be fighting, you know, from the, from the um, you know, on, on the zone side. Um, but, you know, I'm staying patient. I'm anxious. I'm still anxious to get in there, but I'm trying to stay as patient, patient as possible. And uh, when the time comes, I'm going to be more than ready. Tiafimo Lopez was talking about you guys fighting if, if the Lomachenko fight wasn't going to happen next for him. How close did that fight come to being made? What conversations going on? No conversation has been has been made. Um, he's, he's He told, you know, the, the media that he his team sent the email over to um to us you know we haven't got any offers we we, we haven't got anything um from him or or his team you know uh, i don't know who they who they who they sent these things to which is a lie obviously you know um my team is not hard to meet my manager you know uh bill haney wave haney my, my promoter eddie hearn you know if if 
if he wanted to get a fight made, he could easily reach out to them, um, and, and his team has him. Do, do you rate Lomachenko's skills? Is he a fighter you admire? Oh, definitely. You know, he has tremendous skills. You know, if, if anybody was could say that, if anyone said that he didn't, you just would have to would be a, a hater. You know, he has a, a lot of skills. But I do think that my style is tailor-made to beat him. I have every, I have all the tools to beat Lomachenko. Do you, do you give Tiafimo much of a chance? I mean, in boxing, you know, you can never count anybody out because, you know, one punch can 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 change a whole fight, you know. So I I, I never count anybody out. Um, do I think that Loma is going to be him? A hundred percent. I do think that, that fight that, that he will be him. But you know, you never know in the sport of boxing, anything can happen. Is Lomachenko the long term goal for you? Have you got to beat him to define your legacy I mean, as a lightweight? No, you know, at the end of the day, you know, with or without Lomachenko, I'm my my career is still going to go great. You know, Lomachenko is towards the end of, of, of his career. He's older. You know, um, that fight doesn't make or break my career. Of course, it will be a great, a great, a great fight to have on my resume. You know, but at the end of the day, it's it's okay if it doesn't happen. Now, I appreciate you might be a boxing fan and not too into the UFC, but there's a geezer in the heavyweight division that's knocking people out for fun. And he's got dreams and ambitions of maybe one day crossing over to the world of boxing. His name is Francis Ngannou. I caught up with him this week and we started the conversation by talking boxing and whether he's going to be making that crossover anytime soon. Yes, definitely. At some point, I, I think uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, but for now, I think uh, I have to focus on what I'm doing in the USA since I'm on the contract and I have a site, you know, yeah, but uh, honestly, I think at some point I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to cross over and do some boxing matches. Think about that for an achievement. If you manage to become the UFC heavyweight champion and a boxing heavyweight champion, that's never been done before. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we still, we still have a long way to go. What I'm going to do, uh, what I'm going to settle for is for my best. Give all my best and see what the outcome looks like. On the UFC, because you had a fantastic performance recently against Yazinio Rosenstruik. And listen, you're on a great tear at the moment of a lot of first round knockouts. We know that there's a situation with DC and Stipe, maybe for that trilogy fight, for the title fight. What what will you do in, in the interim there? Because we're hopefully going to get that around August time. Will you take another fight in that period or will you wait for the winner of that? What is the purpose of taking another fight? I mean, yes, I think about it to take another fight, but man, um, yeah, we are fighting uh, for purpose. Yeah. We have goals, uh, and I think uh, it's something that is deserving. And as where I stand, I stand. I think I might just be overestimating myself, but I think I deserve that. Uh, which kind of people will have to fight for the best when somebody, some people are just fighting and even get deserve the position and delegate that? Which kind of uh, image they are giving? W- what is the message behind that? Where, what is fair exactly? How they, are they treating people? I mean, 
yes, I like to fight, but how to fight for something will make sense, right? Yeah. How to fight for some purpose. I'm not just just fighting for fighting. And then um, I think now just to uh, make let things happen in the right way, I think he will be uh, fair to stay there and fight for uh, for the title, not to just be the cheap uh, dumbass as in the business that they treat anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we need. I need some a piece of respect. If it's not a full respect, at least a piece of it. Yeah. Which then had to fight for the title for that. What did you learn from the first Stipe fight? Your first shot at the title. What what, did, what are your takeaways from that fight? I took away many things of that fight. You know, that was uh, my first uh, big fight. That was my first uh, five-round fight. Uh, even though I never been through three-round fight, mm. that was my first fight, five-round. That was my first title fight. Uh, and uh, as a fighter, I think uh, I never, I was very young as a fighter, never knew how to prepare a fight. Basically, a fight of that. I carried a lot of things on me on that fight and didn't realize the impact. Uh, and he affect every he affect everything, uh, including my training, including my preparation. Because yeah. when I look back then and I see which kind of preparation I have, I had for the title fight. That was just miserable, you know. I was I, I wasn't set set I wasn't uh, prepared I was going all over running all around didn't really have mm-hmm. a, a a right team uh, in the right place in the right time to uh, uh, get ready for so like for example I had to to fly I had to fly back in France three weeks before the fight because I was lost here. I, I didn't know where I was, and I didn't even have people to like deal that with. I was doing everything on my own. So, um, uh, regarding uh, of that, I mean, I kind of like understood many, many things about uh, the fighting business, which is something that um, I mean, I didn't grow up as, as an athlete. I just came through this, like, uh, by the time it was just four years ago, yeah. uh, my rise was, was fast. Obviously, I missed uh, uh, some details on my way, and then uh, I kind of, like, get that in the fight. And you know, maybe, something, maybe. Which is, okay. and something which is uh, kind of, like, surprising, but I think that fight, losing that fight was necessary because it wouldn't be that fight. It would have been another fight in the future. So, yes, I'd rather fall when I'm not too high than when I'm in the, on the peak because more more you climb and then your your fall is violent. Yeah, absolutely. Are you enjoying your back and forth on social media with John Jones at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know this fight going to happen at some point in life. I don't know when, but uh, at Jun Jun, uh, it's all about Jun Jun. 
but as uh, here recently it is the heavyweight division I mentioned him to uh, his intention to come to the heavyweight division I think uh, if he John Jones moves to the heavyweight or something like that we, we can avoid that fight we can avoid each other it's gonna happen uh, definitely Finally, let's hear from David Hay. Gareth A. Davis caught up with a former heavyweight champion of the world this week to talk about all different aspects of lockdown and including his, uh, I wouldn't say protégé, but his now mate, Derek Chisora. This weekend would have been Chisora Usyk, I believe. It would have been. It would have been Chisora Usyk. How weird is it? It's very strange, though. You know, Derek was in a very, very good place and still is in a good place. You know, he he knows he's this close, this close to... If he wins this fight against the WBO mandatory, undisputed, undefeated, pound-for-pound top-five fighter, he's got an opportunity against one of the elite big man in the the world. Yeah. If he can pull off the victory, which I believe he can, I believe he's got the tools to do it, the mindset, the physicality, he's got the, the momentum. If he can pull this off, he then gets the, the he's then he's then in line for the big one. The big one that everybody wants. And he knows that he can taste it. So um although this this lockdown has been frustrating, it's frustrating for Derek and it's frustrating for Usyk because they both feel that they're in the same spot. So um as it all depends on who can hold it together, who can allow this this lockdown not to take them off course can you stay in the zone whilst you you don't have a fight date and that's the difference i remember when i was challenging for jean-marc mormek the fight got delayed by nine months and and there was no diet i didn't actually sign the contract for the fight until five days before the fight when i arrived in the lavalois i didn't it wasn't confirmed till five days before yeah i've been training for a whole year for this specific fight and um, it's all about mindset. It's all about knowing deep down the fight's going to happen and training like it's happened. Even if there's no date, you still got to go to the gym with a mindset and I've got to give 100%. I've got to push my body to the limit. And if, if whichever fighter was able to do that up until the fight date, because if, for instance, we just say, okay, four weeks' time, we've got the O2 Arena, the, the rules are changed, you either take this fight or not take the fight. What are you going to do? You have to take the fight. And yeah. if, you're out, if you're 12 weeks away from being in fighting shape, you're going to underperform. Whereas if you've been tr- you've been training, you've been doing all the things behind the scenes and you get something sprung on you, you know, okay, I can just adapt my training, do a lot more speed work, a little bit more sparring, two weeks of sparring, and I'm good to go. So it's just getting that that message across to Derek. And I think he's got it. He's, tra- he's training every day, twice a day sometimes, still, with no with no date in mind. So it's it's all about mindset. He doesn't want to allow this to this hiccup to, to lessen his chances. Is it really weird when you think back? It's just over eight years ago that you were both in Munich together. Obviously, I was there as well. Or the, the, where you brawled with him in the press conference after yeah. you were working TV. Uh-huh. And you have that fight at West Ham. Uh, it's the last fight before the Olympics in 2012. And eight years later, have you had a chance to, to, to think back on that? Because a lot of people have been quite nostalgic during the lockdown. You must have thought about things like that. And now you're working together. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting interesting one. I, it feels like it's a whole lifetime ago, and yeah. the way that I see Derek now is very different to how I saw him back then. Back mm-hmm. then, we didn't have a relationship. I didn't know him personally at all, and uh, obviously, I go to commentate on one of his fights in in Germany, in Munich, uh, after the which he actually performed very very well in, and I gave him plenty of credit at the time. And then afterwards, it kicks off, and we have a like a brawl in front of two hundred of the world's 
press and media catching it all, which is was front page news. It was terrible. We should be banned from boxing. Boxing's a disgrace. But what it also did was generate one of the biggest hypes to any non-heavyweight title fight ever. You'd have thought it was a heavyweight championship with the, the amount of hype. You had a cage between us at the press conferences. You know, the British Border Control said they won't sanction it. So the Luxembourg Boxing Federation came in to say... It was like it was it was a license to thrill. That was the tagline for the from the event. So now it's like, you know, to earlier on today, you know, he was down there with his daughter and then and we were just hanging out and it was just you know, we, we're buddies now. We're both on this course. We both we've got a, a united goal with getting him to the promised land. I've done it with myself at two weight divisions. I think I know what's needed mentally, physically, you know, team wise. So I've structured things around him to give him the best opportunity to fulfill his potential. I don't think he's fulfilled it yet. I don't think the the nearly win against uh, um, Dylan White was his finest hour. Although on paper, it might look like that winning on the points. The fact that he didn't win it, and I know he's good enough to win those fights if yeah. he gets it right and statistic and, and, and strategic, strategically, if he's physically there, if he gets it at the right time. If the moon and, la- if the moon and stars align for him, he can beat anybody on his day. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, and and even Tyson Fury's mentioned a trilogy fight with Derek at some point. Um, so just two two more other things quickly. Um, the what do you make of Eddie Hearn's? Obviously, I've spoken to Eddie and Frank. It doesn't look like Derek and Usyk will be on that four weeks of of um, uh, matchroom fight. Too big. It's too, too big, big for that. It's too yeah. big for that. You can't get the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Yeah. Uh, fighting in the garden, like yeah. it's it's it's, it's, that's, that's, it's too big for that. It, it deserves the headline billing of a pay per view event, which needs build up. And if you got to wait, you know, a couple of months, then it is what it is. You know, it's um, you want it with an audience, though. Will, will it have Derek, to? Derek, De- Derek would much prefer it with an audience, you know. Yeah. But what yeah. you prefer and what you and what you get are two completely different things. Particularly during this uh, the COVID crisis, you know, you, you get what you're given. Um, but I definitely feel um, Derek's style, the fact that he, he works on adrenaline, he works on the crowd, feeds off the crowd, particularly if it's in London, he's going to have, you know, 90% of the fans are going to be there for him, cheering him on, and that's going to give him energy. It's fascinating, though, that he was, you know, he went from this kind of figure that was a bit vilified eight years ago. I'll let, I'll let him know you said that. that I'll, that's I'll, fine. I'll... But, but, no, but he knows. No, but... No, he's seen your kicks. He's seen your kicks. He knows yeah, you. Yeah, boom, bang. He's <laughs> no, no, but the funny thing is, now he still does those kind of things, but we all love it because yeah. he, he's gone from lovable villain rogue, to... rogue. The lovable so rogue. Lovable, so lovable. You know, no, no, I've known... You know. It's because he underperformed when he used to fight. I, I think that's is all down to his performances in the right. ring. He'd give it the big and before, yeah. and, he, and he wouldn't live up to the hype in the ring. Yeah. Even in his recent losses, he has performed. So yeah. it's like, it, it, this is gone, this is, this is gone, this is long the time since the um, Monaco days where he gave it a big talk and didn't turn up. Yeah. Since that point, he, every single time he's fought, he's risen to the occasion and he's and he's performed, and the fans know they're getting value for money when he turns up because he's putting it online. The way he attacked Spilk, the way he attacked David Price, even Dylan White, you know, Dylan White had everything he could handle up until the point that he man was able to stop him in a fight he was losing after having two points deducted. Yeah. So you know, people people register those those performances and uh, and judge and they they judge someone. Look at what's happened to Tyson Fury. Same thing. He said a load of crazy stuff, but people are now judging him on what he does in the yeah. ring only. 
Forget about what he does out of the ring. That's his personality. What's he going to do when he gets to the ring? I'm supporting the guy in the ring. What he says outside is just press. I don't care. But if you if you enjoy good boxing, if you enjoy someone dominating, you're going to tune in for Tyson Fury fights. Are you saying then that if there are no crowds till next year, that Derek and Usyk may have to wait till next year to, to do? Um, I, 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 maybe if it's if it's a pay per view event, maybe there's there's an option of doing it. Um, in a in a venue, uh, if the if the desires, I, I'm I'm pretty sure whatever money may be lost via the ticket sales will be recouped, you know, with pay per view sales that yeah, people are yeah, clucking yeah, currently. Yeah. They want anything. They they've they've only just started getting a little bit of football back in Germany. They've had a little few um, few matches over no crowd, which is really weird to see. But at least the wheels are moving. Things are happening. Then you're going to get people. Spread out, and then so, but surely it's gonna get closer and closer. But as long as the players are still playing, as long as the the, the machine keeps going, because you've got these tournaments, the Olympics been moved for a year. But it's 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 a it's it's one of those unprecedented times in history where things are happening, and nobody knows the answers. You know, my guess is as good as your guess is as good as Eddie Hearn's guess is a guess is as as Frank Warren's guess. Nobody genuinely knows. We can just hope the British Boxing Board of Control don't know. So there you have it. The Fight Night podcast is complete. It's action-packed. We are cramming it all in for you. News, bit of fun, the biggest names. What more do you want from us? And it's there every single week here on Talk Sports. So if you can't join us for the live show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It is available on iTunes. It is available on the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. Hit the button, and I'll see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.